When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio, old radio. Comedy Podcast. Welcome to episode two of season four of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. A little needs to be said of the Jack Benny program for OTR comedy fans. One of the longest-running radio shows of all time, it ran from 1932 to 1955 on various networks and was one of the most successful radio programs in history. After broadcasting from New York for several years, Benny moved the show to Los Angeles, which allowed him to bring on many of his big Hollywood star friends as guest stars. The show went through multiple sponsors, writers, and changes over the years, but it never really changed its successful format. Benny played a caricature of himself as a cheapskate, with minimal talent, who is frequently the butt of most of the jokes. Sketches with the guest stars and musical numbers made up the bulk of each show, and Benny's so-called feud with Fred Allen became the stuff of legend, although they were actually good friends off of the air. The Bob Hope Show was another extremely popular radio show, especially during World War II. It ran from 1938 to 1955. After the war, it declined in ratings and changed sponsors from Pepsodent to Lever Brothers in 1948, when most of the show's regulars left to pursue their own careers. Doris Day was the only original co-star who continued on. Unfortunately, the show is directly competing with Life with Luigi, a new and super popular sitcom airing on competitor CBS Radio at the same time. The Bob Hope show was destroyed in the ratings, and Lever Brothers pulled its sponsorship in 1950. It continued on the next year with Chesterfield Cigarettes as a sponsor, and then several others, before finally going off the air for good in 1955. Now sit back and enjoy the November 29, 1936 broadcast of the Jack Benny program, and the June 3, 1941 broadcast of the Bob Hope Show. The Jell-O program, starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston and Phil Harris and his orchestra. The orchestra opens the program with Curly Top from the picture of the same name. First impressions can be mighty important, of course, but as a rule, last impressions are even more important. And the last impression of a meal depends largely upon the dessert. That's why it's such a good idea to serve Jello and be sure of a happy ending. Jell-O is lovely to look at, for one thing. Its bright, glowing color is wonderfully appealing. But that's only a first impression. Your final impression of Jell-O comes after you've tasted it. And from then on, you'll never forget its rich, delicious flavor. The flavor of fresh, ripe fruit skillfully blended. But remember, Jell-O, and only Jell-O, brings you that extra-rich fruit flavor. So, whenever you want a good-looking, swell-tasting, inexpensive dessert, get Jell-O. Get the real thing. Insist on genuine jello. And now, ladies and gentlemen, through the courtesy of NBC, we bring you our master of ceremonies through the courtesy of Paramount, Jack Benny, through the courtesy of Jell-O. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, Jell-O again. Now, Jell-O again. This is Jack Benny coming to you through the courtesy of Don Wilson. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Jack. No, 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 Don. You're the one to be thanked. Oh, no, Jack. You should be the recipient. Well... Isn't this a polite business, folks? You know, Don, we ought to always open our program with this sweet and friendly spirit. It shows the brotherly feeling that really exists in our little group. Yes, Jack, I agree with you. 
Of course, Don, there are times when the way you introduce me makes me feel like socking you right in the nose. Oh, it does, huh? Yes, through the courtesy of my right arm. You mean the one you play that lousy fiddle with? Yes, thank you, Don. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> Well, aren't we the refined rodents? <laughs> Say, Don, I noticed the boys played their first number tonight without Phil. Is he late again? Oh, yes, he called up a little while ago and said that he might be delayed. Oh, he might. Mm -hmm. You know, he's getting pretty independent lately since those movie stars have been calling him up. Carol, Lombard, and Ginger. Very good looking, you know. Well, I'm always here on time, and I'm not exactly a Dracula. <laughs> no, not exactly. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Jack. <laughs> well, anyway, I've got to do something about Harris. He's got to make up his mind whether he wants his girls or his job. Hello, Jack. Hello, Mary. How'd you get here so early? Uh, through the courtesy of a taxi cab. Oh. <laughs> Say, Mary, I haven't seen you since you were at my house for Thanksgiving. Well, that reminds me, Jack. I want to thank you for inviting me to dinner last Thursday. Oh, that's all right. Uh, did you enjoy the dinner, Mary? Well, everything was fine except the turkey. Oh. See, that was the toughest turkey I ever had. It was? Yeah, I bet they had to kill it with a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was nothing wrong with that dinner. The turkey was all right, and everybody had plenty to eat. I had plenty after the first mouthful. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't know good food anyway You liked the turkey, didn't you, Don? Well, I... Uh, Thank you Thank you, Jack <laughs> uh, Say, Jack, where's Phil? Oh, he's home What's this program in his life? But then it's my fault anyway Why? I forgot to specify in his contract that he's supposed to be here <laughs> you know, since the women have been calling him up, I can't do a thing with them. I'll bet half the girls in this audience tonight are Phil's. <laughs> uh -huh. There you are, you see? Why, Mary, I'm surprised you're not applauding. I can't with a script in my hand. Oh. <laughs> Say, Don, yeah. I just thought of a great idea. You want to have some fun? Yeah, what's up? Listen, you know, all the movie stars have been calling Phil up. Well, I'm going to call him up and make believe it's Mae West. You know, kid of a long... Do you think you can imitate Mae West? Oh, sure, he'll never get wise. He's too conceited anyway. Now, look, I'll call him up and tell him to meet me on the corner of Sunset and Highland. Oh, that's great. Yeah, imagine making a date with a girl she don't show up. Oh, boy, will that be embarrassing. You ought to know. <laughs> yeah, well, never mind that. Hand me the phone. Number, please. Uh, give me Oxford, 7071. Deposit a nickel, please. A good one. Oh. <laughs> hmm. If I had known this was going to run into money, I'd never have started it. <laughs> now, oh, quiet, everybody. This is going to be good. <laughs> Hello? Hello. Is this Mr. Harris? Why, yes. Uh, hiya, big boy. How am I doing? Who is this? This is Mae West. Come up and see me sometime. Who? Don't you recognize the voice? I must be losing my grip. Well, well, this is a surprise. Well, how would you like to meet me sometime? We'll go out and peel a grape. <laughs> Gee, honey, that'd be great. Are you doing anything tonight? No, nothing special. What's on your mind? How am I doing, Mary? If it's George Arliss, you're terrific. <laughs> Is that so? Well, listen, Filthy. How about meeting me tonight at 10 o'clock on the corner of Sunset and Highland? Okay, I'll be right there. Now, don't forget. I won't. So long, Phil. Goodbye, Jack. <laughs> Well, how do you like that? Of all the double crossing. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you ask me what I'm laughing at? I'm afraid of the answer. Playboy.
says, uh, who's that knocking at my heart for my forthcoming Paramount picture, College Holiday, played by Phil Harris's meal ticket? <laughs> with a dashing maestro on his way to work, I hope. Say, Jack. Oh, hello, Kenny. I just bumped into Phil Harris in the drugstore. Oh, what did he say? He didn't say anything. I said, pardon me. <laughs> well, that was quite an interesting conversation. Did he infer that there was a remote possibility of his appearing in this vicinity in the near future? Oh, you just said that to mix me up. <laughs> yeah. Come in. Uh, pardon me, would you like to buy some Thanksgiving cards? Thanksgiving cards? Well, Thanksgiving is over. Oh, then how about some hash? <laughs> no, 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 thank you. Thank you, Miss West. <laughs> hmm, wise guy. Huh? Oh, Jack, I almost forgot. I want to thank you for inviting me to your Thanksgiving dinner. You're welcome, Kenny. How'd you like the turkey? Swell, I got the wishbone. Oh, did you make a wish? Yeah, I wish there was some meat on it. <laughs> Where do you keep your soda fountain, Phil? In the living room? <laughs> yes, you funny man. Yeah, well, I had you fooled on the telephone anyway. I called you by your name, didn't I? Oh, it was just a wild guess. But no kidding, how did you know I wasn't Mae West? Well, in the first place, it sounded like Jack Benny. I see. And in the second place, Mae West was with me at the time. <laughs> Oh, well, at first I thought my imitation was bad. <laughs> anyway, now that you finally got here, play Kenny's song, will you? Okay. That is, unless you've got a date with Garbo. She'll wait. <laughs> Sing, Kenny. Uh, say, Jack. What? Why don't you just keep still? It's a good idea, Mary. <laughs>
That was I'll Sing You a Thousand Love Songs from Cain and Mabel, sung by Kenny Baker, accompanied by Hollywood's heartthrob and his orchestra. <laughs> Mary, look at Phil over there with that wavy hair. I bet he puts curlers in it at night. <laughs> <laughs> Say, Phil, uh, where do you get your permanent? The same place you get your toothpaste. <laughs> Well, well, that was some snappy retort. Who told you to say that, Carol Lombard? No, I thought of it myself. Oh, you did, huh? Yeah, you want to make something out of it? Hmm. Well? <laughs> say, Kenny... Don't change the subject. I said you want to make something out of it. Yes, he does. Quiet. <laughs> stay out of this. I'll handle this. Say, Kenny... Come in. That's your knees. <laughs> but honestly, Kenny, as I started to tell you, your voice sounded exceptionally good tonight. Really, it it moved me deeply. Yeah, you want to make something out of it? <laughs> what? I said, do you want to make something out of it? Yes, I do. Any time and any place. Right now, if you wanna. Gee, Jack, I was only fooling. Oh, back and down, eh? <laughs> well, just be careful, that's all. See? And that goes for nearly everybody in this company. <laughs> you get me? Attaboy, Tiger. <laughs> Yeah, you said it. Well, anyway, now that we're all understand each other, tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is our feature attraction for this program. We are going to deviate from the rather strenuous and noisy type of Wild West drama which we have been presenting lately. Tonight, we will go from the ridiculous to the sublime by offering a refined, quiet little English drawing room play entitled Lady Windermere's Fan Dance. <laughs> The locale is Worcestershire on the Thought. <laughs> the country seat of Lord and Lady... That's not my knees. Come in. <laughs> Special delivery for Jack Benny. Mm, same voice as a card salesman. <laughs> Here, boy. Uh, who's it from, Jack? Uh, I don't know. It's postmarked Baked Potato, Idaho. <laughs> Now, you read it, Mary, while I look over the play. Okay. It says, Mr. Jack Benny, care of NBC Ranch, Hollywood, California. Dear Buck. Well, it must be from someone who heard last week's program. Uh, for two weeks me now, things. you've been... <laughs> I just added me things in there, you know. For two weeks now, you've been trying to do your Western drama, Buck Benny Rides Again. But something always happens. So please finish it tonight, as my husband is just crazy about Western things. Oh. Right now, he is sitting at the radio eating a Western sandwich and spilling ketchup on his wet. That's uh, silly. Please grant my request, and we'll be listening in. Signed, Mrs. W.W. W. Westover, 446 Western Avenue. Uh, what are you going to do about it, Jack? Well, Mary, we can't disappoint fans like Mr. and Mrs. Westover. So tonight, folks, we will continue with Buck Benny Rides Again. And we will have to postpone our English drawing room drama. But I say, old fellow, you can't do this to me. Uh, come back next week. Uh, very well. Cheerio. <laughs> These actors. Well, boys, let's get into a real Western mood. Uh, Kenny, uh, pass out the bandanas. Shall I peel them? I said bandanas. So now, ladies and gentlemen, Buck Benny will go on immediately after the next number. Hey, Jack, what part am I going to play? Oh, you, Adonis. Uh, you can play the part of Mary's father, same as last week. That is, if you're available. Of course, I don't want you to work too hard, so I'll just give you a small part. You always do. Well, you talk enough at the Palomar in your own program. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy, that was a humdinger. <laughs> yeah, shall I play now? You might as well. You'll never think of an answer to that one. <laughs> Try to match wits with me, will you? <laughs> Thank you. 
Like a Rhyme for Love from College Holiday, played by... and his orchestra. <laughs> and now, folks, for the third time, we begin our Western drama, Buck Benny Rides Again, or Three Weeks on a Horse. I will play the part of Sheriff Buck Benny, as tough an hombre as ever slapped an umbe in the ale game. <laughs> Just a two-fisted, quick-triggered marksman who shoots from the hip and never misses. May I demonstrate? Hey, boy, hold up that cornet. Ready? <laughs> well, that was close enough. <laughs> oh, Jack. What? Can we come back in the room now? Yes. <laughs> Uh, Kenny Baker will play the part of my horse called Partner. Say something, Partner. <laughs> the locale of our little play is Texas, the Lone Star State. And I want to say right now that Texas is one of the finest states in the Union, even if it did only get one star. <laughs> the opening scene is the ranch house of Frank Carson in Sudden Death Valley. Curtain. Music. <laughs> Hello, Daisy. Hello, tall, dark, and bow-legged. Well, gal, you wouldn't have any trouble straddling a barrel yourself. <laughs> Where's your pappy? Didn't you hear? They carried him home last night. Was he shot? Only 50%. Hmm. Tell me, Daisy, how long has your pappy been drunk? I don't know. I'm only 22. <laughs> he must have been born with a silver fizz in his mouth. Wake your pappy up. I gotta talk to him. He'll be up soon. He's got the cocktail shaker set for nine o'clock. <laughs> oh. Say, Daisy, before your pappy gets here, I want to ask you something that's been on my mind for a long time. What's that? Will you marry me? Well, thanks, Buck. I'd like to, but I can't leave my pappy. He's taken care of me ever since I was a yearling. I know that. So I can't never marry nobody while pappy's alive. That sure breaks me up. Can't nothing be done about it? Well, Buck, you might leave your gun here and ask me again tomorrow. <laughs> That's fine. We'll spend our honeymoon on a rope. Hey, Daisy. Daisy? Here comes Pappy now. <laughs> Hello, Frank. Hello, Buck. Are you hurt? That was you that fell down the steps. It was. Ouch. Now, listen, Frank, I hear that them rustlers... I hear them rustlers stole some of your cows again last night. How many you figure they got? I don't know. Well, look out of the window there and tell me how many head of cattle you got left. Can't tell you, Buck. They're facing the other way. <laughs> Have you any idea who took them? Yeah, it was Cactus Face Elmer. Hmm, Cactus Face Elmer, huh? Well, I'm going out and get him. I figure he's in town at Ike Muller's saloon. And that's where I'm a-heading. Are you sure he's at Ike Muller's? If he ain't, there goes the plot. <laughs> well, I'm a-going, and I ain't coming back till I get him. Be careful, Buck. He's a dangerous character. I like them that way. I'm going to shoot it out with that bomber. And if I don't come back, you know I died with my boots on. Goodbye, Frank. So long, Daisy. I'm a hidden for Ike Muller's saloon. Buck Benny rides again. Steady, partner. <laughs> Here you Yippee! Come on, partner. Get them! Come on, partner. Faster, faster. I'm a going as fast as I can. <laughs> Scene two. We now take you to Ike Muller's saloon, where we find Sheriff Buck Benny just arriving. Ho, ho! <laughs> I'm going inside, partner. Are you going with me? No, Buck. If you want me, I'll be over by the watering trough. <laughs> okay, what time is it? 9.30. Thanks, time supply. <laughs> that was a nifty. See you later. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Hello, Sheriff. Hiya, Curly. Howdy, Buck. Hello, Kate. How are they treating you? They ain't. <laughs> well, 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 if it ain't Buck Benny. Why, Slim Wilson, you old horn to. No, I got a newfangled line now called Jell-O. Jell-O? What's that? Why, it's an up-and-coming young dessert, and I wouldn't be surprised that someday millions of people will be eating it. Well, shut my Texas crack. <laughs> hey, Slim. <laughs> Put one over on you that time, Slim. Slim, have you seen uh, Cactus Face Elmer around? Yes, Buck, there he is, right back of you. Hmm, got him sooner than I expected. <laughs> Are you Cactus Face Elmer? That's me, Bug Benny. <laughs> and you're a tough hombre, eh? Huh? My talkie is asking. You see those notches on my gun? Yes. Well, if you get fresh, I'll tell him to move over. <laughs> I've been aiming to meet up with you, Cactus. You're honored for the stealing of Frank Carson's cows. I didn't take him, and, and would you like to buy some milk? <laughs> Oh, you admit you took him, huh? Take it easy, Poopsie. <laughs> you want to make something out of it? Now, listen here, Texas. You got those cows, and I want to know where they are. You know, this country ain't healthy for cattle thieves. I never felt better in my life. Now, listen, Cactus Face. I came here to get you, and I'm going to bring you back dead or alive. Now, which way do you want to go? I think so. Come on with me. Look out, Bucky. He's going to shoot. <laughs> It's okay, boys. I got him. Come on, Cactus. Give me your knife and gun. Here's the gun. Where's the knife? In your back. <laughs> I thought I fell a draft. <laughs> well, you've reached the end of your rope, Cactus Face. Come along, peaceable. Look out, Buck! <laughs> there goes the light! There goes Cactus Face! Cactus Face rides again! I'll get him! This will be continued next Sunday night. Will Buck get Cactus Face? Will the lights be fixed? Will the cows be contented? That's enough, Don. Make them listen in. Play, Phil. Everyone who enjoys good things is certain to enjoy Jell-O chocolate pudding, a new product that hits a new high in real old-fashioned goodness. Jell-O chocolate pudding is far smoother, creamier, more chocolatey. And what's more, it has that grand homemade taste that's always so welcome everywhere. Jell-O chocolate pudding is wonderfully easy and economical to make, too. Here's all you do. Just mix the contents of one package with some milk in the top of your double boiler and let it cook till smooth and luscious. It only takes about ten minutes. Then you need only wait until the mixture has cooled before serving it in sherbet glasses and bringing it to your table. A delicious dessert triumph. Jell-O chocolate pudding sells for the same low price as Jell-O. And one package will give you six servings. And that's certainly a lot of goodness for very little expense. So ask your grocer for Jell-O chocolate pudding in the morning. If he hasn't put it in stock yet, be sure he orders it for you. Remember the name, Jell-O chocolate pudding. Last number of the ninth program in the new Jello series. And I reckon we'll be with you again next Sunday night at the same time. Come along, Daisy. I'll take you home on my horse. Oh, we both can't get on, can he? That's right. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> The Pepsodent Show, starring Bob Hope and his guest, Humphrey Bogart. Here we are at noon, folks. Time for Moon and Spoon, folks. And the laugh with all the staff and our Bob Hope. Thank you. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob June Bride's Hope, telling you girls that even if you don't get flowers from your feller, if you use Pepsodent, you'll always have white lilies under your smeller. <laughs> Yes, sir. Here we are back in Hollywood. Last week, we did our show from Camp San Luis Obispo for the 40th Division, and what a time we had. And from the way those soldiers greeted me, believe me, folks, America's ready. <laughs> they gave me a souvenir when I left. I'd show it to you, but only it's too soon to take the bandages off. 
Dorothy Lamour went up to the army camp with me, and you should have seen Dorothy with those 7,000 men. You should have seen her. I didn't. <laughs> Dorothy left one of her sarongs up there as a souvenir. I don't know who got it, but that ain't a pup tent the general's sleeping under. Of course, romance is in the air at this time of the year. You can tell June is here. All the girls in Hollywood are sending out their trousseaus to be cleaned and pressed. <laughs> Again. And everybody's a... Uh, every... That was a sneaky little word, wasn't it? Uh, and everybody's getting married. I saw a car driving up the street with a pair of shoes sticking out behind it. I said to the driver, wedding? He said, no, pedestrian. I went to a wedding the other day. It was a typical Hollywood wedding. The bride looked beautiful. She was wearing a long white, long white veil. So long you could hardly see her slacks. It was a beautiful thing. And the groom was so nervous his beret fell off. The bride was one of those Hollywood glamour girls. She cut the wedding cake with her fingernails. And the groom was a musician. What a romance they had. He met her during a hot break in the Hut Sut song. <laughs> and what a wedding. What a wedding. The bride was carrying four roses rather well. And... <laughs> and the bride's mother and father walked down the aisle with her. It's just like a convoy. It's a pleasure to protect the merchandise. Just the same, you're awfully happy to get rid of it. <laughs> but it was a lovely spectacle. Two little girls ran in front of the bride, unrolling the red carpet. When they got it all unrolled, there was a groom. <laughs> but romance is everywhere this month. I went down the beach the other day. The ocean was beautiful. All morning, the surf was glistening with foamy white caps. Then Cecil B. DeMille took his box of Lux and went home. <laughs> crowd at the beach. A lot of people, you know, change into their bathing suits in their cars. And I think it's disgusting when it's so much easier in the bus. <laughs> and gee, the new bathing suits the girls are wearing. Aren't they? <laughs> Boy, what girls? What strapless bathing suits? What confidence? <laughs> A lot of beautiful girls were there swimming, but Betty Grable beat them all to the raft. And you should see... <laughs> And you should see Skinny Ennis in the bathing suit. You know the picture on those ads that say before and after? Skinny looks like the one that says not yet. <laughs> Skinny was wearing a nice white bathing suit. Later on, we found out it was a piece of spaghetti with armholes. <laughs> but I want to tell you, Skinny can dive. He did a beautiful swan dive with his arms stretched out, but he got nervous when he started to gain altitude. <laughs> Say, Bill. Bill Goodman, come here. Yes, Bob. Say, gee, we had a swell time at the beach this weekend, didn't we? Yeah, and I thought I was dressed exceptionally well for the beach. Why, when I walked out and took off my robe, did you see everybody crowd around me? Well, after all, Bob, ermine shorts. <laughs> but there certainly were a bunch of pretty girls on that beach. Yeah, Bill, and the way you stared at them, you should have seen how far your eyes popped out. Well, maybe they popped out a little. A little. Bill, one of your bags turned under you. I'll be back. <laughs> Pop mine out a little there. I guess maybe my eyes did pop out a little bit. Thank you for the feed. A little Bill. <laughs> Bill, one of the bags under your eyes turned to the other and said, We'd better get packed. It looks like they're leaving for the weekend. Well, Bob, I'm sorry to say this, but you know, I don't like going to the beach with you. You're you're too much of an exhibitionist. Pretending you were drowning Bill, I wasn't pretending I was really drowning Well, all right But you didn't have to yell Help, help See the road to Zanzibar Help <laughs> Hey, Bill Did you see Skinny Ennis Lying on the beach? Yes, I did And lying on the beach that way Skinny looked like a picture Yeah, no blood and sand <laughs> I want to tell you There's one man in this program That knows all about swimming Professor Colonna Oh, Professor Coming Sneakers. <laughs> that did it. Professor, on second thought, I don't see why I should ask you to give our listeners health and swimming hints. You don't seem to have much of a physique. Now, hold on there, Hope. You can't speak about my physique like that. Did you ever see me in a bathing suit? Yes, I've seen you in a bathing suit. Roly-poly, son of a gun, ain't I? 
Well, tell me, Professor, when you get into the water, can you swim far? No, after I swim a, swim a few feet, the faucet hits me in the head. <laughs> you have gum trouble tonight yourself, huh? Well, have you ever been in over your head, Kelowna? Yes. What happened? The Bank of America gave me an extension. Now, just to show you what a great swimmer I am, I'll watch. I'll climb up this 50-foot pole for my famous dive. Here I am. But, Professor, what are you going to dive into? Into that cup of coffee. You mean you're going to dive 50 feet into a cup of coffee? Yes, sir. Here goes. <laughs> what do you know? No cream. <laughs> Look, Kelowna. Kelowna, why don't you take a powder? I will if it's pepsodent. <laughs> Here's a kid that'll be working next year. <laughs> yes, sir, and pepsodent tooth powder will be working next year and for years to come to make your teeth brighter. Listen to this. Pepsodent tooth powder has the power to produce a luster on teeth twice as bright as the average of all other leading brands. Now, there's a statement that means something. Because it has the backing of several important and authoritative testing laboratories, which conducted tests on all the leading tooth powders. After they finished testing, they all agreed to that statement. It's your proof that Pepsodent tooth powder is the one for you. Well, that is, if you really want your teeth to sparkle and gleam as they never did before. Right you are, Bill, right. For Pepsodent, with patented composite metaphosphate, can make your smile twice as bright, twice as effective when you turn it on. So, friends, if you're hiding a dull, tight-lipped smile, here's the way to get straightened out. Go to your store now. It's not too late tonight. Go right up to that man and say, I want that tooth powder that beats the others by a mile. I'm fixing up a bright new smile. Give me a package of that high-polished Pepsodent tooth powder, please. <laughs> chair where I belong. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce a very fine actor and the toughest guy on the screen, recently seen in Warner Brothers High Sierra on the wagons roll at night, Humphrey Bogart. Thank you. Thank you, Bob. I'm glad to see you got down off that mountain all right, Humphrey. <laughs> uh, just a minute, just a minute, Hope. My pals call me Bogey. What do the fellows on this program call you? <laughs> There must be some way to answer that and still stay on the air. 
Oh, pardon me if I'm a little nervous around you, Humphrey. You're so tough. You know, when you walk down the street, the people run into their houses. Yeah? And then you come on the air, and they run right out again. <laughs> Just a minute, Bogart. You can't talk to me that What's way. What's that? What's that? What'd you say? I don't know. I wasn't listening. <laughs> but I'm warning you, Humphrey. Don't fool around with me. Why? Do you carry a gun? You see this hip? Yeah. What about it? Bulges, doesn't it? <laughs> Wait a minute. Don't reach for your rod. <laughs> I was just kidding, Bob. All I got in my pocket is a, is a handkerchief. I still think it's a gun. No, it's a handkerchief. Watch. I'll use it. Bad cold. <laughs> Say, huh? You know, two weeks ago, we had your co-worker, Priscilla Lane, on this program. She just finished a new picture at Warner Brothers. A half a million dollar baby. Oh, now, wait a minute, Bob. Not a half a million. The name of the picture is Million Dollar Baby. You mean it was before the tax. Say, tell me... <laughs> Tell me, Bogey, what picture did you just make over there? Uh, I made a picture called The Wagons Roll at Night. Oh, you mean like Crosby's horses? But you're so... Uh... <laughs> oh, that old killer in there. <laughs> oh, for that Norman, anything. But you're so tough in your pictures. Tell me, Humphrey, were you always a mug? Oh, no, I was the nicest boy in my neighborhood. I always went to school dressed in my cute little Lord Fauntleroy suit. And when I walked down the street, all the neighbors would point at me and say, there's a little rat who blew up the pool room. <laughs> I was a tough kid, too. In school, I used to make spitballs and throw them all around the room. No, you did? You did? Me, too. It only took me a half an hour to make a spitball. Well, I could make one in a minute. You mean you didn't wait for the cement to harden? <laughs> Humphrey, you're just a mug at heart. You're the kind of guy who would put a mustache in the Mona Lisa. Oh, no, no, not me. If he can't raise his own, I'm not going to help him. <laughs> well, I've watched you a lot in pictures, Humphrey. Tell me, doesn't it make your flesh crawl when you stand there pumping bullets in the guy's Sticking knives in a guy's backs, putting guys in wet cement and tossing them in the river? Oh, no, don't bother me at all. I, I go right home and sleep like a log if a fuse don't blow. <laughs> if a fuse don't blow? Well, good gracious, you didn't expect me to sleep with the light out. <laughs> you know, Bob... <laughs> you know, Bob, everybody thinks I'm tough, but I'm, I'm not really tough at all. In the evenings, I, I like to get out in my rock garden. You've got a rock garden? Yeah, sure I have. I got the seeds from the government. Say, my brother's in a rock garden under government supervision, too. <laughs> yeah, he is? Yeah. What does he grow? A little older each year. <laughs> Tell me, are you going to keep making those gangster pictures over Warner Brothers with George Raft? <laughs> yes. As a, as a matter of fact, George Raft and I would like to have Skinny Ennis in our next picture with us. Why? What good would Skinny Ennis be in a prison cell? Well, we could pick the lock with him. <laughs> Well, I'll call Skinny over here and have him meet you. Hey, Skinny, come here. Hiya, fellas. Skinny, this is Humphrey Bogart. Well, shut my mouth. Shut my mouth. Be careful, Skin. This guy will do it. <laughs> Hiya, Skinny. Hiya, big shot. What do you have from the mob? Get a load of public adrenaline, number one. <laughs> oh, Bob, me and Bogey come from the same neck of the wood. Is that so? Where were you born, Skin? Ah, uh, he wasn't born. A St. Bernard dug him up. <laughs> yeah, hold on now. Maybe I don't look like so much on the surface. But, man, when you look a little further, you'll find I'm really nothing. <laughs> you did it. By the way, Skin, how's your girl? Oh, she's getting awful hard to handle. Now, listen, Skinny, I'll help you. There are two ways to handle a woman. Either you treat her very gently or you treat her very rough. Well, which is the better method? Neither. Whichever you use, they still like a guy who owns a Cadillac. <laughs> well, Skinny, you ought to handle your women like Humphrey does. Assert yourself. I do. Well, only the other day, I looked my girl in the eye and I said, Woman, you're my woman. And you gotta do exactly as I tell you. Did that make an impression on her? I guess so. She laughed so hard, I fell off a lap. <laughs> <laughs> well, is your girl here tonight, Skin? Yeah, Bob, I'll call her. Hey, Magnolia. Thomas, Thomas, honey. Oh, hi, y'all. Well, shut my mouth if it isn't Magnolia. Oh, Mr. Ho, well, shut my mouth. And this is Mr. Bogart. Shut my mouth. And what a business I could do in zippers. <laughs> oh, I don't know, you're the big bad man that's in the movie. That's what they tell me, yep. Well, shut my mouth and pull it way down over my chin. <laughs> I, uh, I would, but I see somebody beat me to it. <laughs> say, you better be careful what you say to her, Humphrey. Skinny worships the ground she crawled out of. <laughs> Really, Humphrey Bogart? 
the rat who forces his attentions on girls and makes them kiss him and kiss him and kiss him and until the poor things are almost unconscious. That's me. See, Skinny, that's what I mean. <laughs> oh, so you finally got around to speaking to me, huh? Oh, I didn't mean to neglect you. How are you, honey lamb? Oh, he's just fine. How do you know? He's using my blood today. <laughs> hey. Isn't Mr. Bogart a tough-looking guy? Oh, he's not so tough. Oh, no. No. I dare you to knock this chip off my shoulder. Magnolia, let me down. <laughs> oh, gosh, Mr. Bogart. I wish Skinny could kiss like you. Oh, well, what's wrong with Skinny? Does he give you the fatherly kiss or the brotherly kiss or the real sweetheart's kiss? <laughs> well, I don't know. Which is the one where I have to bend down and pick him up after it's all over? Hey, <laughs> see... You see, Skinny's the weaker type. I'll show you how to kiss her, Skinny. Come here, Dame, and throw your arms around me. I will not. Oh, no, I'll show you who's boss around here. That'll show you, and I'll let me down. (laughs) Thank you, Humphrey Bogart, and you'll be back with us in a few minutes, folks. Take it, Skinny. Keep your thumbs up What's an elegant way To greet a new day that comes up Just keep your thumbs up Don't be Humpty Dumpty When you take a fall Pull yourself together And climb back again On the wall with thumbs up That's a very good sign That everything's fine and dandy So come what may today Raise your voice and shout you may be down, but you'll never be out of luck If you keep your thumbs Everything's fine and dandy So come what may today Raise your voice and shout You may be down But you'll never be out of luck If you keep your thumbs up Thumbs up Sing and keep your thumbs up That was Jimmy Edis singing Thumbs Up Boy, wasn't that a swell solo, Bill? Oh, no, that wasn't a solo, Bob. That was a duet by me and Skinny. Duet? I didn't hear your voice, Bill. Oh, I don't sing. I just hold Skinny up to the microphone. (laughs) Yeah, you stop kidding me, Bill Goodwin. I'm getting sick and tired of this. I got a good mind to wail into you and just tear you apart. You hear me? I'll tear you apart. Man, I got to lay off and double malt it. Well, now, take it easy, Skin, and, and you stick to those double mullets, too. Anytime you can get double value, that's money in the bank. Look at the new Pepsodent 50 Tough Toothbrush. There's a good example. And Art Baker's the man who can prove it. Yes, the new Pepsodent Toothbrush has 50 tufts of marvelous DuPont Fibrex bristles. Twice as many in a small, compact head as in any other brush. You know what that means? Double the number of tufts, double cleansing power. You see, the bristles in the new Pepsodent 50 Tough Toothbrush are gentler. They're kinder to your gums. They don't have to be stiff and harsh because they depend on union for their strength. 50 Tufts united for strength, yet gentle for a better feel in your mouth. 
You don't have to break in this brush at the expense of tender gums. No, sir. You just open the sanitary glass tube it comes packed in. You grasp that handsome, form-fitting colored handle. You add pepsodent tooth powder, and then you have the grandest feeling, the most thoroughly effective tooth-cleaning combination in the world. So get a new Pepsodent 50 Tough Toothbrush tonight at your favorite store. It's the same price as ordinary brushes, just 50 cents. But what a whale of a difference in the results you get. Get a Pepsodent 50 Tough Toothbrush tonight. Well, Bogey, here we are in this prison cell. Steel bars all around us, 14 feet of concrete in the walls, 200 guards outside with submachine guns, handcuffs on our wrists, and a steel ball and chain on each of our feet. Yeah, pal. You know something? What? I think they got us. <laughs> well, I don't like it here. It's your own fault that you're in jail trying to spend that phony dollar bill that your brother made. Well, gee whiz, no one would have known it was counterfeit. Only brother is such a sentimentalist. Yeah, but it was the first time I ever saw a dollar bill with George Washington dressed as a June bride. <laughs> Gee, I wish we could escape. Yeah, so do I. Say, you broke out of this jail once, didn't you? Yeah, but they caught me all on account of that big searchlight. Well, did they flash the searchlight on you when you went over the wall? Yeah, and like a dope, I took a bow. <laughs> Gee, you know this prison is off. Yeah! I can't stand it. Every day, bread and water, bread and water, bread and water. <laughs> I can't stand it. Well, why not? Well, gee whiz, can't I have just one piece of Melba toast? <laughs> Say, listen, Bogey, we got to get out of here. My trustworthy pal, Professor Cologne, is going to help us escape. I think he's on the outside now. Hope. Hope. Yes. Are you locked in the cell? Steel bars all around? Manacles, hand and foot? That's right, Colonna. What do you do when you have a bite? <laughs> hey, Professor Hey, Professor Have you got the tools to help us escape? Yes, I'm baking them in a cake right now I'd better see if my cake is done I'll pitch it <laughs> Hostess cake <laughs> Kelowna, hurry and get us out of here Listen, Hope Why are you so anxious to get out of jail? Well, since I've been in jail I've been hearing queer rumors I hear that someone's trying to get my job with Pepsodent And that someone's been making calls to Shanghai on my phone and throwing wild parties at my house, and that someone's been taking my girl out every night. Ah, yes. I've been a busy little bee, haven't I? <laughs> oh, Kelowna, you, you go to my head. No, I was there yesterday, and there was nobody home. <laughs> Bogey, Kelowna will never get us out of here. We've got to make the best of it. Gee, all we got is one pack of cigarettes. How long are we in for? Ninety-nine years. You think we need some more cigarettes? No, these are the slower-burning kind. <laughs> You know, Humphrey, my dear old Ma was supposed to come and visit me here today. See, I hope she can make it. It's a long walk from her cell. <laughs> hello, Dot. Oh, hello, Ma. Why, Mother, let me look at you. Is your hair turning gray? No, I just had a big beer with a lot of foam on it. <laughs> hey, hey, why didn't you bring Junior with you? I don't see him around anymore. No, the parole board picked up his option. <laughs> Say, Ma, how's Paul? They hung him a few days ago. Oh, well, I thought they hung him last Thursday. They did, but they cut him down so they could hear Rudy Ballet. <laughs> did, they, uh, did they hang him right after that? Yep. Him and Rudy signed off at the same time. <laughs> and I'm signing too. So long, son. So long, Ma. So, so long. long. Oh, the last mile. It's terrible, that last mile. Oh, that last mile. Gee, is he going to be electrocuted? No, he went for a drive on decoration day. <laughs> I'll be with you in a minute. But first, I'm going to do a good deed. I'm rescuing someone right from the electric chair. Kelowna, Kelowna, don't try to rescue anyone from the electric chair. The current may be on. It's all right. I'll just grab him out quick. Well, I always wanted to see how I'd look with my head up. <laughs> hey, Bob. Yep. Hey, Bob. What's going on in the next cell there? Why, they're giving the third degree to mendel the mug. I won't talk. <coughs> Ouch! I won't tell you. Ouch! I won't tell you. Gee. That guy must have a pretty important secret. Yeah, he knows all the words to the Hut Sut song. <laughs> oh, me, oh, my, oh, my, oh, me. Here I am, fellas, and drink is my curse. 
You know, I've had so many martinis, I'm breaking out in small olives. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, Annie Knox, what are you doing here? What am I doing? Well, how do you like that? They put me in jail for being drunk. Me, who's absolutely sober. Sober with a capital sobe. <laughs> You're sober? Sure I am, but they're giving me the drinker's test, see? The drinker's test? Yeah, I gotta sit at one end of the table, and at the other end of the table is a bottle of scotch. Now, I've been sitting there all afternoon, and the question is whether I went over and took a drink or not. I see. Yes, sir, that's the question. <laughs> and that's the answer. <laughs> Hey, come here. Say, Canadian Club, what are you in jail for? Oh, I gotta confess, Mr. Hope, I did a terrible thing. A horrible thing. I killed a midget. You, you, you killed a midget? Yes. That's an awful thing to do. How'd you kill him? Oh, the poor little fella, when they think of his eyes, he drowned. <laughs> he did, it was my fault. Too. Well, how was it your fault? Well, there was a fly in my beer and... Just kidding, I told him it was the seaplane for Hawaii. <laughs> Bob, Bob, I don't know why they let drunks in this jail. Neither do I. Why don't they stay in their cars where they belong? <laughs> hey, Hope, still in jail? Yes. Tight little script, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Kelowna. How are you going to get us out of this jail? Well, I'm up above you on the roof. I shall drop a rope down past your window. Then the three of us will slide down the rope when I count three. Let me get this straight, Kelowna. You're up there on the roof. You're going to dro drop a rope down past our window. Then the three of us will slide down the rope when you count three. That's right. Ready? One. Two, three. Hey, Corona, what happened? We all fell down. Even the rope fell down. Didn't you have the rope tied securely? Sure, look. It's still around my waist. <laughs> Good night to all who tune our humor hall. Our thanks for dialing in The cast and crew All send their best to you Till next time that we begin Thanks Humphrey Bogart Your art with a villain's part Held us from the start to the end Use Pepsi and Poe I should stick to the Hutsut song Next Tuesday night, ladies and gentlemen We'll be broadcasting from La Jolla, California We're all going down to Camp Callan And entertain the boys with the Coast Artillery And boy, we're going to have Birth of the Blues Mary Martin will be with us to sing for the boys And believe me, they'll like Mary Martin down there So until next week, this is Bob Hope Yes, sir and Bob, I understand next week, by the way, next Monday, in fact, you'll be on the Lux Radio Theater with Carol Lombard. Yeah, we're going to do Mr. and Mrs. Smith for old Cecil B. DeMille. I think we'll have a lot of fun there. Wonderful, Bob. Good night. This is Bill Goodman speaking for President. It's the National Broadcasting Company. Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for 